Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm John Wilson. Welcome to These Three a series in which I talk to artists, musicians, writers, directors, actors, photographers, all sorts of creative people, in fact, about their artistic lives by focusing on three key works. One that they made themselves, that they're particularly proud of. One by somebody else that they wish they'd made. And one that they're working on right now. Hello, I'm Paul Weller. I'm going to tell you about the song I've written song that I wish I'd written and the song I'm currently working on. We're in deeper Surrey, in a studio which Paul has owned for a couple of decades, Black Barn Studios, where you've made so many of the records over the last few years. When you first started writing songs, I guess as a kid, because it wasn't far from here, I mean, we're in Surrey, near where you grew up in Woking, would it have been on a piano or a guitar where you were first kind of hearing music in your head and, and trying to work out what it meant to you? Both, both, to be honest, you know. Did you have a piano at home? We had a, yeah, it's a, it's a terrible cliche, but it's true, but we had an old piano under our stairs. I don't know where it came from, but anyway. Were your mum and dad musical? Did they play? I mean, dad played, but not in any sort of trained way. He only played on all the black notes. <laughs> because whatever black notes you play, they always sound all right. You can yeah. play any black note and it always sounds good. Uh, so... Was it a sing-along at home, or was he? Was that just for his pleasure? No, he just used to... Um, he wasn't in any way musical in that sense, that it was kind of... Um, he was just making up as he went along, right? <laughs> he was just uh, <laughs> improvising, baby. Uh, he was just... Um, was that his approach to management as well? Because, I mean, for yeah, those who don't know, he managed his approach you... to for... life. <laughs> just improvise, like we all do indeed. But he plays sort of boogie-woogie-type things on it, and rock-and-roll-type things, but... He wouldn't know what he's playing, man. He just used to make a sound with it, but it sounded all right. And I think, whether it's subconsciously or whatever, it was an influence of some sort on me, on my playing probably, on my piano playing, because I can't really play properly. I just play enough to uh, to get by, really, and to write on. And so I suppose there's a bit of that, a bit of me dad in there. 
Has the way that you've written songs changed radically over the years, do you think? No, not really. I mean, it's, you know, I kind of write in a very traditional methods with just a guitar or piano. I suppose the only thing that is different is that in the last 10 years, I've also tried writing just in the studio as well, just from scratch, not have any ideas and just see what happens. I've kind of did, I've done that more in the last 10 years. But the last album, True Meanings, had more of a traditional feel because it was all performed on, well, acoustic instruments. It was mainly acoustic guitar, piano. If I had come along, given art a chance, if I'd waited for ya in the wandering rain. Kind of back to basics in a way. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Certainly coming after, like, sort of, you know, Wake Up the Nation or Satin's Sonic pattern. Kicks and Satin's Pattern and stuff like that, which, which are more studio-based records in a sense, you know. And when you were first writing tunes, I guess, like with all songwriters, you're just trying to emulate whoever you're yeah, listening yeah. to. It would have been the Beatles, I guess, wouldn't Definitely. it? Definitely. When I was a kid and just first learning to play uh, guitar... Me and my friend Steve Brooks, who we both sort of started off playing at the same time, we would always be looking for different chords, new chords. So either one of us would go, I've just discovered this, uh, a minor seventh. Or we heard the Zombies record that had a, had a major seventh in it. And every time we learnt a new chord, we'd write a new song around it. Around a chord? Yeah, yeah. That's great, isn't it? I mean, that's setting the bar higher every time. Well, it just kind of, every time your universe gets a little bit bigger and just expands it all the time, you know? Do you still do that? If you're listening to the radio and you hear a song and there is an interesting chord, do you then try and find where that... I try and find a song that's got an interesting chord on it these days. <laughs> that would be the first thing, really. I don't know, not many people use those chords anymore, apart from me. White horses We're here in Black Barn Studios, your HQ. Astonishingly, just as we came in here, you pointed out a guitar which is totally broken, beaten up, the whole of the top. Should we just grab hold of it, yeah. actually? Here it is, an old Ovation guitar. Yeah. And this is the one that you wrote... I mean, you casually said as we went in, you, you wrote everything in the jam on this guitar. Well, yeah, from like uh, 79 onwards, probably even up until, like, the early 90s. But as you can see, it's unplayable now. <laughs> but So yeah. you haven't smashed that? That's just age? No, man, it's just age, yeah. It's probably been dropped a few times accidentally. But um, I keep it as well as so just uh, sentimental reasons, I suppose. And um, It's a talisman, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 79, so that's from setting suns, yeah. sound effects. Definitely sound effects. I use this guitar on, uh, on That's Entertainment, in fact. This very guitar. This actual guitar. You would have written, well, if it's 79, so what would you have written Wild going Wild under? Woods, yeah, you know, all that stuff. All the way through. Yeah. Stole Council stuff as well. Did it become almost like a like a lucky charm? You had to use that guitar, or was it yeah. the only one that happened to be around? No, it did kind of become a little bit like that, and I was kind of worried when it was unplayable. I was worried whether it would, I'd still be able to write it, but obviously I was. When did you stop using it then? 
think probably like sort of uh, 93, 4, something like that. So around Wildwood time. But you would have written Wildwood on this guitar. Yeah. That's an amazing link that that goes back from I know, yeah. setting suns to yeah. Wildwood. It's not even a great guitar. Well, not anymore, obviously, but it never was. But it was... Um, I think I got it for nothing. That's probably why I used it. <laughs> blues thing, isn't it? Yeah. That actually sounds quite interesting, doesn't it? Some, some African thing or something, isn't it? Yeah. A cora. Is it a cora, yeah. that instrument? You could use that. Wow. A historic instrument. So I've set you the task, three songs that we're going to start with, the song I wrote, um, and you have written hundreds, so which would it be? Probably Aspects. Um, maybe because it's the most recent but I'm very proud of it, and I think it's as good as anything else I've written, really, for me, personally. The centrepiece, in a way, of the latest album, of for True me Meanings. It was, yeah. Was it the starting point for it? Because it was quite an early one. You, you... Uh, it was an early one. It wasn't the starting point, though, because I wrote it probably, uh, where are we now? Um, well, last year. And I wrote that in the same day I wrote another song on the album called What Would He Say? I remember writing both them two in the same day. But I think it's as good as anything I've done, really, for me, you know. And what were you thinking about when you wrote the song? Because the album, in a way, is... I mean, it's marking time. It came out as you turned 60. Yeah. Um, was it reflecting age and wisdom and those sort of themes? I think it reflected all those things, but I think it also reflected my place in, in the world, I suppose, you know, in my own mind, and um, taking stock of where I've come from and where I've got to... I think all those things, really, yeah, are to do with my age of reaching 60, which is quite monumental, really. And the title of the album, True Meanings, that comes from this song. There's a line. Uh -huh, that's right, yeah. True Meanings. And yeah. what were you thinking about? What, was, what were the images that were in your mind when you were writing the song? They just came, and I didn't really question them, you know, until afterwards. And then um, I think it's kind of... Um, I still don't know. I'm still kind of working the song out, and that's what intrigues me and I like about it as well. That it's never fixed. You could apply it to a lot of things, really. Uh, existentialist, I suppose. Be fair to say it is. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what intrigues me. And a lot of songs that I've... Not just songs that I've written myself, but other songs I've, I love. You can't really pinpoint them always. You know, I've never heard the writers pinpoint the songs and say exactly what they're supposed to mean. It's kind of whatever it means to the person, really. That's really interesting. That's why songs then have that lifespan, because they, <coughs> they change meaning. Well, yeah, and they change as you... As you as you go along, really. Hmm. Show us how, just, just how Aspects itself would have started. With, with words, do you think, or possibly chords? Uh, both. It's not in the way It's not in your hair You won't find it Under your chair I was thinking when I was writing it, when it came to me, I was thinking it was a kind of, I could hear it as a sort of chanson type thing, really. Mm. Kind of European, mm. French sort of thing to it. 
And it's just got the same sequence, you know, so it's kind of like a folk song in a sense. Uh, that's just it, it's just those chords. All the way through, but it's orchestrated on the record. It's of orchestrated, yeah. And it's got a chorus which goes. Lovely chords. This E runs through the whole chord sequence. This note. about this melody and it's got a one to six verses right but it could have gone on for me I was originally I was going to make it really really like a 10 minute job and just have loads and loads of verses but I didn't but yeah I don't know not one particular singer I mean I can't say like Jack Brel or something like that but just in that sort of style I suppose really it's always inside you when you write a song and you know it's good does it strike you straight away do you think this is it I'm on to something yeah is there a kind of a special bell that goes off you think stick with this one yeah I think so yeah it certainly was in the case of aspects anyway and um and it didn't take long to write and I find often those sort of songs the kind of thing you're talking about they come really quickly so I would have probably finished it off the same day or by the next day anyway yeah, it's kind of almost like they're, they were just given them, really, in a sense. You know, they just kind of sent something from wherever. How many of the songs, and given that there are hundreds of songs that you've written, how many are you absolutely 100% happy with that you wouldn't change a note of? <laughs> Probably about 10. Really? <laughs> Not many, anyway. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hold up. 
It would be a very, very small percentage, if I'm really honest. Because there's things I like from the past, but there'll always be uh, a few lines I don't like or I wouldn't sing now or I don't agree with. When we were doing the, the, the live thing recently with the strings, we did um, Private Hell, which is an old jam song, which is a great song and a great sort of character study, but it's so harsh as I was singing it. I was just thinking, how harsh? I would never write this sort of thing now. And I felt odd singing it. Um, it is an astonishing song, and it was quite interesting watching that show because the mindset of the songs that you're writing at the moment is, as you say, totally different. But you were, what, 21 years old when you wrote that song? Yeah. And it's a character study of a, a housewife who's really deeply unhappy and yeah. sort of floating through the afternoon in a Valium haze. Yeah. And you say it's harsh, but, I mean, it's kind of... It's recognisable. It's true. Yeah. You, you feel it was, yeah. it was too harsh? I just harsh. wouldn't uh, write in such a sort of harsh way now. That's the difference, I guess. Or I'd have some... Uh, no, not, not sympathy, because there is that in the song. Mm. I would just use different language anyway, that's all. But that's just a passage of time, no? Is it hard to re-inhabit those songs? Yeah. I mean, to go back... Because you very rarely do it, I guess, in the, in the live set. Yeah. I mean, you still play Town Called Malice and... When People Behave, yeah. <laughs> Special um, treat. Yeah. Um, it is hard, yeah, because... When I do come up to those lines or a verse I don't like or I wouldn't sing normally, I wouldn't sing otherwise, it's hard to switch yourself off from that if you're trying to connect with this song and trying to give it just and do it justice and put it over to people. So if you don't kind of agree with what you're singing, it's really difficult, mm. you know? And if there are 10 or so that you're really happy with, and it's probably impossible questions like choosing the children, is there one that you would say, you know, if people said, what do you do, who are you, what have you given to this world? Is there one particular song? Aspects would do. Right. I'll, give, I'll go, well, yeah, we'll get on this and have a listen to this and, you know, see if you think it's of any value or not. But that's amazing that after four decades of writing songs and being at the top of your game that you can still look at a song like that and have that sort of pride yeah. in something. Yeah. It's still happening, it's still working. It have you is, ever worried it is, that yeah. it will stop? Have, have there been moments, apart from when that yeah. guitar stopped working? <laughs> it, yeah, there has been a couple of times, but not in, not in the last uh, 20 years, 15 years, no, 15 years probably. Um, there was times when I'd have a, a writer's block uh, and I would think it's all over and it was all finished. And it's long. But I don't really get that anymore and I don't look at it in the same way and if I don't write for a period of time for months or whatever I don't freak out about it anymore because I know it will come back if I want it to come back and I'm prepared and open to, for it then it will come back and find me you know and I guess other people's songs are always a source of inspiration so we move on to the song I wish I'd written are there many songs that you would do? I mean, do you often hear Hundreds. a song? <laughs> Hundreds, yeah. Uh, so again, this is going to be a hard It's really choice. hard to pick, yeah. And I've been thinking long and hard about this as well because there's new stuff that I really love and there's old stuff, obviously. And if I think of one, I could think of 101, you know. Well, before you, you pick the one, yeah. what have you heard recently that you think, that's a great song? Uh, Actually, the art of songwriting is alive and well. 
Uh, well, probably Rex Orange County, right? Do you know that song of his called um, Loving Is Easy? It's, I can sing you something. Yeah, go on. Well, I don't know if I know, I don't know really what the chords are. Loving is easy, you don't know stop. Life is too big, so hard to I'm making the chords. Loving is easy, everything's burning. Even when it's better Rex, I'm sorry, man, I don't know the chords, but it's a fantastic <laughs> song anyway. So he's using nice chords in that, right? He's using major sevenths and minor nine, uh, minor sevenths. But well, that's as good as anything I've heard. Really? Yeah. So Absolutely. if the, the one song that you wish you'd written, we're going to have to pin you down on this one. <laughs> yep. What's it going to be? Well, I don't know. Again, I don't know the chords to it. But, um, yeah, it's really difficult, man, right? But I think... I picked Hey Jude, right, by the Beatles, right? It could be any of the Beatles songs, or most of them anyway. But I just thought um, the simplicity of it, I really love. Mm. And um, and just the overall message, really, it's going to be all right. It's okay, you know. Um, you're going to get over this period of time. And I like those sort of songs of uh, faith and encouragement and um, strength. I've always had a, been a soft spot for them sort of tunes, and I think probably as human beings we need that sort of thing as well, encouragement of some kind. But um, but just the simplicity. I mean, sorry, Macca, in advance. <laughs> hey, like a it's a bit gospely sound yeah. as well. Beautiful, I think, you know. Do you remember the first time you heard that song? Yeah, 1968 when it came out. Do, do you, can you remember a moment? Can yeah, you remember? It. Did you? Yeah, yeah. It was the first on Apple. I don't know if it was the first release, but it was amongst the first releases anyway. And it came in a beautiful house bag, shiny black house bag they used to have. But yeah, I bought that at the time, man. In Near here, in Woking? Yeah. Was there a particular record shop that you would have gone to, was, save the money up? There was two. There was one called Aircos, which also had guitars in them, in it. And another one called Maxwell's, which is literally across the road from my house in Stanley Road. So I'd have bought it in there probably. Have you, I mean, you've got to know Paul McCartney a bit over the years, I guess. Have you ever talked to him about songwriting? Uh, no. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. But I have been privy to him playing that song on a piano. Really? Yeah. At his place? At his place. He showed me and my wife Hannah his room where him and John used to write upstairs in, in his house in London. In Cavendish Avenue? Yeah. And he played, he played that tune, yeah. That must have been quite special <laughs> for you. Very, very special, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, to me, has got, you know, such a strong melody. And it's not really about so much about the chords. It's the melody on top, really. Mm. I've discovered that in recent years. Because they're dead simple chords, man. But it's just how we, you know, the melody you put on top of it. You're still incredibly prolific. I mean, it's, it's an album every... Well, in the old days, people used to put out two albums a year, but, I mean, you're not that far off. It's been one every couple of every years. Yeah. I've been very prolific in the last few years, and I don't know why that is, whether it's because I feel the, the weight of uh, mortality, trying to do as much as I possibly can, because I see how quickly time goes, and so maybe that's kind of part of it, really, do you know what I mean? Mm. To try and do as much as I possibly can before I depart this earth. I suppose essentially, you know, I'm just so still in love with what I do, you know, I'm still in love with music and it's never ending to me. There's always something else to discover in music. 
So if the songs are still flowing, the song I'm writing... So there are several on the go at the moment. Yeah. Yeah? Is there one particular one you could tell us about? Uh, yeah. There is. I don't necessarily know if it's the best one I'm, I'm working on, but it's quite an interesting... Uh, started off with this, right? is like a B minor, but I'm just playing in an interesting way, that's all, in a different sort of way. goes to a major. Uh, where's it go then? <laughs> this is like a mid-late bit. So that's the way when you were writing a song, you're patching words in because those yeah. are not finished and they're just sort of fragments. Well, of... I have finished them, but I just can't remember them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but normally that's just what yeah. singing la la in, and then occasionally a couple of little words pop, it, pop up, and then yeah, they'll just kind of work on that. How often does a song start totally finished on the page as a set of lyrics? Very rarely. I mean, like aspects going back to that, that was one of those ones that came very, very quickly. I wrote all the words in one go. But that's kind of rare, really. Um, probably only like sort of ten percent of songs would fully formed, if you like. You still in the time would be one of those sort of songs that you wrote on the page as a like as a yeah. as a poem, almost. Yeah, really, yeah. But I mean, it's an extension of lyrics to me, in a, really. I suppose, or the other way round. I don't know whichever way it works. But I wouldn't call myself a poet necessarily. I don't know. There's a poetic aspect to a lot of your lyrics, yeah, I think, I guess isn't so, there? Yeah. Well, I'm glad they're still flowing. Yeah, so am I. It's amazing, really, isn't it? When you think about it, it's it's over forty years. Yeah, it is. Yes, you couldn't have imagined time. when you started out. I mean, as a kid and with the no, jam, 19, all, 18, 19 years old. Not at all. But my appreciation for what I do just gets bigger and bigger, really, because I just think how amazing to still be doing this and still be playing music after all these years. You know, I'd never ever dreamt it would it would be come to this or uh, it would be like this and um, I think I'm extremely fortunate to be able to have made a living out of doing something I probably would have done for nothing <laughs> do you know what I mean and um, and not really having a boss as such not really having people telling me what to do so it's a very very uh, privileged position I think from that point of view long may the songs continue to flow yeah Paul thank you so much indeed it's a pleasure And 
if you enjoyed Paul Weller, listen out for other episodes featuring the likes of Hayley Atwell, Tom O'Dell, Jonathan Yeo, Lucy Preble, Kwame Kweyama, Guy Garvey, and there are many more on the way. Please do rate and review these three. It helps other people find the series. And subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Also, have a look at the website. We've got more information about all of the guests. There are photographs, videos, uh, previews of forthcoming episodes. We're on Twitter and Instagram, of course. These Three is produced and presented by me, John Wilson, in association with Analog Folk. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.